Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hi, Stephen. Justin, I love the show. And uh, I actually had a ticker that I wanted to ask you guys about. It would be MKSI. I'm looking to add a position to it. I don't own it yet. And provides unbiased answers. I think what you're seeing here is an expectation of growth slowing dramatically. And now every major moving average is pointed downward, which shows that it is in a consistent downtrend. Talk. Over 35 million downloads and counting. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-SHARP. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our October 7th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. And as we are now firmly in the fourth quarter, uh, there's a, a lot to unpack in, that's happening in today's market. Uh, we had an update that faded a bit throughout the day or near the end of the day. Uh, but what I really want to discuss to start off are cycles. And I don't talk about it probably as much as I should on this show, but it is definitely what should be in every invest- the back of every investor's mind is that every asset class has its day in the sun. Uh, overinvestment in a particular sector, strategy, company, it ebbs eventually. That overinvestment creates prices that are too high, prices that are unsustainable, and economics that are just uh, create an inevitable fall. Why? Because the ability to issue shares, raise capital becomes too easy, the cost becomes too low, and you suddenly beca- you suddenly get an oversupply. A good example of that was 2000. All of the tech companies the internet companies that were not earning any money, that were raising capital based on eyeballs, remember back then, and not actual good business economics, they all went public at huge valuations, and they continued to issue shares until there was oversupply. And that's the same thing that happened in the housing boom, where... It was too easy to get people to borrow money to buy new homes. And so what did the home builders do? They built as many homes as they possibly could and oversupplied the market. Now, that, those are certainly two good examples of overinvestment. But I would argue right now, while you do see some of that in the tech space, especially the cloud uh, market, you're actually, you actually see the opposite over the last number of years in the commodity market. There was overinvestment and oversupply that happened in the peak oil times when commodity prices were very high, when China was building out huge 
and vast cities throughout their country. And that created very, very low prices. Well, very, very low prices mean very, very low returns for investors, and it scares off new investment. And that cycle goes the other way, where there's not enough investment in new supply. There's not enough money chasing after returns there because the recent past has been so bad. And now we're starting to see the opposite. Instead of a crash down because of overinvestment, we're starting to see in some markets, some areas of the commodity space, a crash up. And so as we enter the, the fourth quarter, we starting to see, we enter winter here in just a couple of months. You must be reminded that cycles go in both directions. And while everybody has been enamored with cloud stocks and software stocks and uh, disruptive companies over the past five, seven, ten years, that means there's been overinvestment in those spaces. And that's not typically where the opportunities are when everybody's chasing that sector. The better investments are to be a contrarian when there's a turn. And heads up, we're at that turn in the commodity space. So I want to do just give you some perspective there. And I'm ready to get the show started. I'm going to operate this hour with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success. And that's my assurance to you that no matter what I'm speaking about, I'm here to give you the facts as I see them right in front of me and using my 20 plus years of investment experience. I'm Justin Klein. And of course, I encourage you to reach out to me with your finance and investment questions right now during our live stream program from four to five Pacific time. Or you can leave a question on our anytime voice bank. Either way, the number never changes. It's 888 chart So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hi, my name is Tom. I have a question about Wheaton Precious Metals, Whiskey Papa Mike. It's been it's a silver miner that's in a pretty consistent downtrend ever since the beginning of the year, and especially so just the last month. I'm looking at it as a pretty big buying opportunity. Just wondering if you agree with how much stimulus the economy has pumped out and how much is maybe expected given the uh, infrastructure package that might roll out. Thanks. Look forward to hearing on the show. All right. Well, the first thing I will say is, is to correct you. And this is not a precious metal or silver mining company. What this is, is it is a streaming metal company, precious metal company. Very different. Streaming means what they do is they partner with actual miners, the Newmonts of the world, the large, typically large mining companies around the world. And they will help finance those developments and explorations. And in return, they get a stream of the revenue that comes out of that mine. And so what this does is it lowers the development cost for the big mining companies. And it also helps diversify a company like Wheaton Precious Metals. Franco Nevada is another one. Those are the two largest precious metal streaming companies in the world. Uh, and what they are, it's actually a very profitable 
type of business. They're basically a financing company with equity ownership within the business, within those particular mines. Now, Wheaton, we own Wheaton for clients, so we like it. We do think this is a buying opportunity. The company has entered into over 20 long-term purchase agreements with 17 different mining companies, mainly precious metals, cobalt as well. And it has streaming agreements covering 19 operating mines and nine development stage mines. So they partner with companies like Vale, Gold Corp, Glencore, etc. And so if you look at the mining industry as a whole, streaming it tends to be the most profitable, at least definitely the most consistently profitable. Because whether gold or silver prices go up or down doesn't matter nearly as much to them as the mining companies. The mining companies have break-even costs and their profits go up and down dramatically, okay? This is something that you have to be aware of, that it's different than a mining company. So uh, we like precious, we like wheat and precious metals, and we would definitely be investing in it. Now we're moving into a short break. On the other side, I will preview today's focus point and I'll summarize the market. So hang on, this is Invest Talk. The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes. I have a question for you about Amazon. So your questions keep coming. Question about PE ratios. And that's okay because Steve Peasley and Justin Klein specialize in unbiased guidance. If I'm looking at a dividend company, I'm looking for consistency of earnings and dividends. Your standard daily chart typically goes back one year. No question is too simple. Wanted to ask about Teladoc. And each question is an important part of the podcast. My wife has a roller over 401k from a previous employer. I was curious if this is eligible to be used to do a backdoor Roth. Steve and Justin are fearless. That's fairly inexpensive for this kind of explosive growth. The problem here is that you're picking a leveraged ETF. Tell your friends and family members about InvestTalk. You've been instrumental in my understanding how this market works. Don't forget to call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. For investors, the goal of achieving financial freedom requires unbiased information, strategic planning, and determination. Congratulations! You found the podcast that is dedicated to helping you succeed. Invest Talk. Steve and Justin welcome your questions anytime on the Invest Talk Listener Line, 888 99Chart. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline, how hackers drain the cryptocurrency accounts of thousands of Coinbase users. Apparently, they started with a password phishing scheme, which we talked about uh, a few months back, and they exploited a flaw in Coinbase's securities and then emptied accounts. So we're going to discuss that along with some other aspects of the crypto market. One is the bond market. The bond market, which typically are the smarter investors, and uh, an area you should always be paying attention to because there's a lot more money at stake, a lot bigger, more sophisticated players in that market, and their actions say a lot about the underlying fundamentals of certain businesses, countries, etc. And we're going to look at two examples that will shed some light on what they think about the crypto market. Also, that the U.S. Justice Department is setting up a national cryptocurrency enforcement team 
and what might that look like and how could it have some effects. And then lastly, banks are being pushed to from regulators to help manage climate risks. So the Fed is not just dealing with uh, economic policy anymore. They're trying to handle other aspects of uh, controversial topics, and we're going to look at that and what that mean could mean for policy as well. So those are things that are on my mind, but ultimately, I want to hear from you. 8899 chart is how you get through and ask your number, uh, ask your question on today's show. Now, let's look at the market today. The S&P had a big rally in the morning and throughout uh, the late morning, and the afternoon started to sell off about 30 S&P points, and we still closed up 36.2 points on the day in the S&P, but we were unable, it looks like, let me look at the moving average here, is that the 20-day moving average? Um, yeah, we were not able to get back above that, so... Uh, which is right at about 4,400. We called it at 4,399, spot 76. So that was a bit of a failure, not being able to recapture the 20-day. The NASDAQ didn't even hit the 20-day moving average today. So you're seeing that you're continuing to see that relative weakness in the growth side of the market in the NASDAQ. And, def- and that was more of what the end of the day brought was that sell-off in the growth side of the market um, after a big couple-of-day bounce. And you're starting to see that fade. And that shouldn't be a shock, especially since the 10-year was up nearly five basis points today. Remember, higher interest rates definitely aren't the friend of high multiple stocks. And we closed the highest level in the 10-year since June, mid-June. And uh, so definitely the market reacting to that. Now let's go to Dylan in New York looking at Adobe. Hey, Justin. How you doing? Doing pretty well. Do you own Adobe or you're looking to buy it? Uh, I'm looking to buy it. I'm actually I'm in the creative industry. I use a lot of their products for a lot of my work, and that goes for pretty much everybody I know in the video post-production and editing world and audio mm-hmm. world, too. Um, yep. They just acquired another company we use today, for, uh, Frame.io, which is a website that it's yep. an industry website, too. I've just been looking at this for a long time. Seems to have come down a little bit in the last few months. Just wondering what you think. Well, we actually use uh, Adobe software as well for this show, doing uh, editing and stuff like that. So uh, we're familiar with the, the business. Uh, but the, the problem with Adobe is that it's just uh, trading at a very high multiple. Enterprise value even is 42 times. Enterprise value revenue to 17.8 times, even after it's come down pretty dramatically over the past few weeks, down 14% off its 52-week high. Uh, our fair value is much lower than, than here, around $400 per share. So uh, now it's at six, uh, let's see, 578 um, I definitely think it's a bit overvalued and not the name that I would get excited about buying here in this type of market, but I would definitely have it on my watch list. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. Thank you for downloading and telling your friends about us. And we're going into a break, so I'm taking your questions now at 888-99-CHART. Each day, Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? 
Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24 7. Don't forget to call Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. All right, folks, point today is based on the story behind this headline how hackers drain the cryptocurrency accounts of thousands of Coinbase users. And this was a story that that started a few months ago. I remember talking about it. What happened back then was Coinbase notified over 6,000 of its customers they were victims of a targeted campaign to gain access to their accounts. Uh, and it was mainly involving a phishing attack and Coinbase two-factor authentication system. Now, it started with them uh, sending out an email uh, in regards to that your two-factor authentication uh, had, had changed, uh, but it really hadn't. But that was just a phishing uh, attack. So between March and May of 2021, hackers managed to get into these accounts and move f- funds off of the platform. And what they started with, these third parties uh, first needed knowledge of what email addresses, passwords, and phone numbers associated with the Coinbase account. And they did so with phishing attacks, mainly SMS phishing attacks. So you've probably seen these. This is, this is an area that more and more needs to be discussed. It used to be all about uh, emails that were suspicious from uh, suspicious email addresses with suspicious links and documents. But I feel like more and more, and I get them at least once a week, where it's something about, oh, we had trouble delivering a package. Please click here on this link. Uh, All of those are starting to become a lot more effective than email phishing attacks. Uh, And that's basically what happened here. They took advantage of the flaw in Coinbase's SMS account recovery process to receive a SMS two-factor authentication token and gain access to the account. So this shows you that this space continues to be an area whose protocols and systems are not up to par with your bank or your even your little credit union. Now, luckily, Coinbase is a public company. They started to reimburse their customers for the full value of what was lost. And they're able to do that because they have access to the capital markets. But what happens if this happens in your crypto account that isn't Coinbase? It's much smaller. Or maybe Coinbase goes bankrupt, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. And they don't have the ability to make you whole. What happens then? So... This just goes to show you that if you have your money in crypto at all, you have to be very careful not to expose your account, expose your passwords. Otherwise, it's very easy for bad actors to get in and move the money anonymously into a wallet that is anonymous, that you have no idea who who has it, and it's very uh, hard to unwind. And so be very careful out there in the crypto space. Now let's pivot back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier at 888 chart Hey, my name's Johnny. Um, so I have a Roth account that I've maxed out the past two years. I did just open a landscaping company about five months ago, and I've heard you guys talk about a theft 
um, IRA for like business owners or something like that. So I was trying to do my homework on it and I wasn't understanding it super clearly. So I was wondering if you could just simplify it for me. What is a SEP IRA versus a Roth IRA and, you know, the positives to it. So thank you guys. Have a good day. All right. A Roth IRA is very similar to a traditional IRA uh, when it comes to limits on uh, how much you can put in per year. There are some income limits on a Roth IRA uh, that, that don't apply to a traditional IRA. But uh, a Roth, you're putting the money in post-tax, meaning uh, you already paid tax on the money and you'll never pay tax on it again. Now, a SEP IRA is actually more similar to a traditional IRA, whereas the money you put in is a tax write-off today. Uh, but when you take the money out, eventually at some point you're taxed on it. The difference is that there are some rules around SEP IRA con contributions that have to do with your income as a self-employed person. And that's really what it's for. It's for those that have their own business and don't have employees and they want to put money away for retirement. Now, the maximum contribution in a SEP IRA for 2021 is 58000 That's up $1,000 from last year, which was 57000 or 25% of your uh, eligible compensation. Okay? So this is something that is very dependent on how much income you're bringing in. So that fifty-eight thousand—it's whatever the uh, the lower number is. So if you have a if you're self-employed, you only bring in forty thousand dollars. Well, you can only contribute ten thousand to that set. But if you bring in five hundred thousand, it's not one hundred twenty-five thousand, twenty-five percent of that number. It's still the fifty-eight thousand. Okay, so it's much higher than your traditional IRA contribution limit, and that's the nice positive. But you have to talk to your CPA, make sure you're eligible, make sure there aren't any issues with uh, employees, potential employees that might be treated a certain way, uh, etc. It's definitely something you should clear with your CPA before doing it. Now, the next Invest Talk, this story. Why it makes sense to have a health savings account. A health savings account offers triple tax benefits that stretch your healthcare dollars further. I will walk through that story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach.
You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Invest Talk is here to help. And when you download the free Invest Talk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open 888 99Chart. Hi, this is Justin from Sparks, Nevada. I bought a stock on a tip, which you guys always say not to do. Now I see why. It's VMHG Victory Marines Holding. I bought it way up at a couple dollars. It somehow dropped all the way down to six cents. I'm obviously holding on to it to see what happens, but I wanted to see if you could look into it and see if it went bankrupt, if that's why it went down so fast, or if there's something else that will drive this back up, or if it's about to go to zero. Please let me know. Thank you. I was looking at Victory Marine Holdings. This is an OTC company, not trading at six cents, and... Uh, yeah, I think you got duped here. Uh, you, I don't know how, where you found this tip, but obviously it was a bad one. It did go from in in early this year, February, from three cents all the way to three dollars and fifty cents, and now back down to six. So it's made a full round trip here, and all this is is a a broker uh, for yachts. And I don't have any uh, information on the company because it's OTC. We don't get a lot of uh, information on companies of this size. Very, very small. I don't even have uh, – do I even have market cap information? Oh, yeah. $2.3 million market cap. <laughs> Talk about micro. This is micro of all the micros. Um Make it a learning lesson, hopefully for everyone out there. Don't just rely on tips, especially these OTC stocks that – uh, a lot of them can have big moves in short periods of times. It's very, it's very common 
for illiquid names to get a lot of hype around them. Maybe it was this. This was probably uh, a target of some sort of pump and dump scheme. Uh, if you ever seen uh, the Wolf of Wall Street and that whole kind of bucket shop type of uh, setup they had there. Selling shares and stocks, pumping it up, and then dumping it out in the market. Um, that was not uncommon. Okay. Now it's done via the internet. And what they do is they go buy up companies like this for two, three cents a share. And then they release a marketing piece to a ton of email addresses, get people interested in the name. It's, a, it's basically this flowery story about the company. And why it's the next big, big thing, maybe it's a technology, maybe it's uh, just demand for uh, the sector, whatever it is, it gets people all pumped up. And you get enough people to buy into a very illiquid market like these OTC penny stocks, and you can have big moves in a short period of time. Not uncommon. So I don't know if that's where you heard the tip or maybe a friend read it and they, hit, and, and they tipped you off. I don't know what the catalyst was here. But move on, just sell it, move on, or, or just keep it at six cents. I don't know how many shares you own. Maybe it's only $50, who knows? And maybe it's not that big a deal to you. I don't see a catalyst until there's another probably hit piece that goes out that, that talks about how great the company is, maybe three, five, 10 years from now. Maybe it has another surge uh, that you can sell into, but I wouldn't bank on it. Just learn your lesson and for everyone else out there, learn your lesson from this caller, Justin, as well. Thanks for the call, and thanks everyone out there. You should thank Justin for that lesson. Now, let's talk about the bond market and cryptocurrency. That's not talked a lot in the same sentence, but there were a couple of recent issues in the bond market that send a message to the cryptocurrency market. And the first is El Salvador's government bonds after they adopted Bitcoin as a national currency, and then Coinbase issuing $2 billion of corporate bonds, which have now lost about 4.5% in just a few weeks. And it's not uncommon that the uncertainty around the crypto space would spread to the bond market. Bond markets are typically risk-averse. It's where a lot of money is put to work, and they want steady returns and return of their capital. Now, it's not unheard of for cryptocurrency to move 75%. Bitcoin's done it multiple times in its history. Uh, and Coinbase basically pointed to that as why they raised $2 billion on a 2031 maturity bond, so 10 years, paying 3.625%. Now it's being quoted about 95.5, par is 100 so down about 4.5%. Over that same time period, since September 14th, so you're talking three weeks, an index of similar high-yield bonds fell about 1%, and Bitcoin itself actually gained some. And so this has nothing to do with Bitcoin moving negatively. It moved somewhat positively. And the high-yield bond market only dropped 1%, where this dropped 4.5%. And so it's the bond market saying, eh, maybe this isn't the greatest bet. Some of that may have to do with the increasing regulation around the space, not letting them come out with their lending 
product. The SEC kind of pushed back on that. But then there's El Salvador, and they turned Bitcoin into legal tender in early September, so a little over a month ago. And the government's bonds, due in 2035, lost about 6% of its value the next day. It's fallen a total of 17% since they adopted the currency or the cryptocurrency as legal tender. And it's now trading about 75 cents on the dollar. And another kind of vote of no confidence around the cryptocurrency space from the bond market. And you should always look at that. It's always something to consider. Not the only factor, but definitely an important one. Because like I said, there are a lot of smart investors in the bond market. A lot more than stupid investors. Say that. Now this is Invest Talk. Let's get things moving or keep things moving and play this question that came in earlier on 888 chart. Hey, Stephen Justin. This is Dylan from New York. I have a question specifically for Justin. I know he's the options guy. I'm looking at a stock ticker, APPS, Digital Turbine Inc. I'm looking to short this and get a put in. And it looks like it really goes back and forth between 70 and seems to be some resistance around 75. And this bounced from 69 to 75 after today. Thinking about some puts relatively new to options. So I was wondering if you could kind of point me in the right direction of what you think a good strike price and expiration date would be on some puts on digital turbine and APPS. Thanks a lot. Hope to hear from you. Bye. Uh, I couldn't hear. Was he talking about buying a put or a call or selling a put or call? Okay, buying puts. Okay. Um, let me take a look here at the option chain. Now, when you're buying options, you should always try to go out a bit further. Definitely 90 days, probably longer than that. Um, and always go based on the chart, okay? And where you would want to, where there might be support, for example. So I would probably be going with the 50 strike put. Uh, it's had a big rally here. Uh, the 50 was about where it found support in mid-August. And it looks like it's making a series of lower highs and lower lows. And if it gets back to 50, you're going to get uh, another bout of support. And that's probably the area that I would be taking it off. Okay, that I'd be taking off my put position. So after this rally, I like your idea of buying a put. Uh, might go out to March of next year. You're going to pay about two fifty or so, two twenty five for that put. But over the next three to six months, if you have uh, another push down in uh, the the growth side of the market and high multiple stocks like this, uh, it would not shock me to see this go from close seventy seven ninety today all the way back down to fifty dollars. So that's probably what I would go with um, if I'm looking to bet on digital turbine, APPS on the downside. Thanks for the call. Now the fourth quarter is humming along and volatility is here. You've seen it over the past few weeks, especially uh, even today. Rally strong in the morning, sell off in the afternoon to only modest gains for the day. And... That makes it very important to understand your strategy and execute your strategy. So that's two separate things. Being able to develop a strategy that fits your needs, that fits your temperament, that fits your 
your tools that you have, the data that you have in your toolbox, and then executing it without emotion. A lot of people get tied up in the emotion of investing and make bad decisions. So if you're having trouble with all of those things, develop, refining, improving, and executing a plan, I encourage you to reach out to myself and Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial, based in Irvine, California, where we operate with the same philosophy as we do here on the show, independent thinking and shared success, where we, um, we, we implement unbiased guidance and we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to reach out for a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meetings or send us a message through investtalk.com or give us give our office a call at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Next up, we'll go back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank, so hang on. The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes. I have a question for you about Amazon. So your questions keep coming. Question about PE ratios. And that's okay because Steve Peasley and Justin Klein specialize in unbiased guidance. If I'm looking at a dividend company, I'm looking for consistency of earnings and dividends. Your standard daily chart typically goes back one year. Steve and Justin are fearless, so don't forget to call Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. I love the show, and uh, I actually had a ticker that I wanted to ask you guys about. It would be MKSI. That's Mike Kilo Sierra India, and that's MKS. And uh, I'm looking to add a position to it. I don't own it yet, but it seems like it's trading at a very low multiple for a company that has uh, 10% plus growth ahead of it. So I wanted to know your opinions on it. Thank you very much. Bye. All right, this is MKS Instruments. They are in the semiconductor manufacturing equipment industry and very interesting company and engaged in providing instruments, subsystems, and process control systems used to help manufacture things like semiconductors, um, electronic materials, uh, flat panel displays, medical devices, etc., Majority of revenue comes from here in the U.S. Mid-cap name, about $8 billion market cap. Trading at enterprise value to revenue about a little under three, which is not bad. Enterprise value EBIT about 11, which is relatively cheap in this market. Um, the biggest problem here is the chart. It is already down 27% from its 52-week high back in April. We're at 145, spot 40 at the close today, and really not getting much traction. And that's what worries me here is why is the chart deteriorating so bad? Uh, this looks headed. Let me go to zoom all the way out to a monthly chart. It's had had a decent rally. This looks like it's headed back to about 122. Uh, earnings are expected to grow 50% this year, but only 8% next year. So there's... I think what you're seeing here is an expectation of growth slowing dramatically. And analysts continue to bring down estimates for earnings for this year and next year. And so the trend of estimate growth uh, is, is negative. Now, if you look at the company as a whole, uh, positive free cash flow, about $500 million trailing 12 months, which is pretty good, especially on an $8 billion market cap company. Its return equity has been up and down over the past decade, but average kind of in the high teens, which is good. Uh, so overall, I, I like 
the company. I like what they do. I like the historical profitability. I like the balance sheet where they have uh, pretty minimal debt. Actually, they actually have net cash on their balance sheet. So I'm, I'm a fan of this company. I'm just not a fan of this chart and the trends of what analysts are saying. And so I would continue to keep this on my watch list. But I probably wouldn't touch it till uh, the 115, 120 area where there's major support because uh, all the technicals in the short term are telling me this wants to go lower because any bounce, we're not, we barely got to the 50 day moving average and quickly came off that. And we're nowhere even close to the 100 day moving average. And now every major moving average is pointed downward, which shows that it is in a consistent downtrend. So I'm going to hold off on this around 115, 120. That's where I would get interested in MKSI. 8899 chart, 8892 is how you get through and ask your question. Before we close up shop for the day, we have about 10 minutes left, so I encourage you to reach out. As we enter our final period of the show. Now, before we close, uh, well, actually, let's I can get to this real quick. The U.S. Justice Department is creating a national cryptocurrency enforcement team to tackle and investigate uh, pro- and prosecute criminal misuse of cryptocurrency and to recover the illicit proceeds of these crimes. And this is going to be a subdivision of the Department of Justice. And they will focus on tracing and recovering assets lost to fraud and extortion, as well as money laundering type of practices that is common within the industry. And in fact, the Biden administration last month blacklisted a Russian-owned cryptocurrency exchange for allegedly, allegedly helping launder ransomware payments. So that's pretty interesting is that you're starting to see not just more regulation, but actually Department of Justice getting involved where people can go to jail and there can be major fines. Uh, And so this is another area that's ramping up in the crypto space when it comes to government power and oversight. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced? Or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief risk alize quiz. Hey, Stephen, Justin. This is Andrew from Atlanta. Had a question about the K-1 form. Seeking an explanation from you? Um, I understand sometimes that can deter Justin from being interested in a stock. I heard Justin review EPP, and I was curious if I hold EPP. I wasn't aware that it was a K-1. Why does it present a problem? And two, if you're a long-term holder, does that avert the problem? Just seeking an explanation. I greatly appreciate your show, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you. All right, I believe he's talking about EPD, Enterprise Product Partners, which is a limited partnership or massive limited partnership. And the answer to your last question is if you're a long-term holder, does that uh, change anything? No. Uh, a K-1 form 
in itself is a federal tax document used to report the income, losses, and dividends of a business or financial entity's partners or an S corporation shareholders. So the fact that you are a limited partner in the in in that partnership means that you get a K one. Now, in and of itself, that's not that big of a deal. Uh, KPP is, a, is an S-corp, and we get K-1s, and we file it uh, with our tax return, and it's not, that's not that big of a deal. Uh, I think the biggest issue with the K-1 has to do with investing investing in those type of MLPs or limited partnerships within an IRA or a 401k. And if you go over, I think it's $1,000 in income per year. Don't quote me on that number. I know there's a limit to it. Uh, you have to file a separate return, and it becomes a big pain in the butt to have K-1s within a tax-deferred vehicle like an IRA, Roth IRA, SEP IRA, 401k, etc. cetera. Uh, so you get that every year. Whether or not you're a long-term holder or a short-term holder, doesn't matter. You were a limited partner at some point in that year, and you're going to have to file a K-1. So if you're a shareholder in EPD or any other master limited partnership, you need to be aware, be aware of that and make sure you're prepared. It's not the end of the world, but I, I don't like it. And your tax rate, your ordinary income tax rate, the income from those vehicles are not taxed at a qualified dividend rate that you'd get from a Procter and Gamble or a McDonald's, right? So make sure you understand that difference as well and don't fall in love with that dividend yield because it's from tax adjusted, it's actually a lot less, especially if you're in a high tax bracket, than it might look. Thanks for the call. Now, lastly, I want to touch on a statement by Fed, one of the Federal Reserve's top officials. Uh, Fed Governor Lael Brainerd, and she detailed how the central bank is preparing to beef up its assessment of the growing threats of climate events, so climate change. And she said, quote, I anticipate it will be helpful to provide supervisory guidance for large banking institutions in their effort to appropriately measure, monitor, and manage material climate-related risks, end quote. And this just goes to show that there's even more push for the Fed itself, which is their tools are very blunt. I don't know how they're going to do this, uh, but mainly it's going to be through supervising the activities of various banks and the risks on their balance sheet. So I don't think it's going to be outward policy uh, prescriptions from an interest rate standpoint because, frankly, lower interest rates are – their goal is to have low un- unemployment, which means – Good economic activity, higher economic activity means uh, more energy needed and thus higher carbon emissions, especially if we still have, let's see, 20% of US, the U.S. energy grid is relying on coal, 40% is relying on natural gas, 20% is nuclear, about 20% is renewables. That's kind of how it breaks down. So 60% of our energy use is still carbon-based, fossil fuels. And they can't change that. The Fed can't change that themselves. But they're going to, it looks like they're going to try. They're talking about focusing the banks uh, on whether or not they can or should limit large banks from financing fossil fuel development. That's what a lot of progressive Democrats want. It's one of the reasons why they don't like Jerome Powell, because he's been reluctant to do that, and they want him replaced 
after his term expires early next year with somebody who's focused on climate change. Another example of how there's this plan to cut off fossil fuels, but very little talk about how you're going to replace it. Remember, it's taken 20 plus years to get to 20% renewables. How are we going to cut off our 60% of our energy production with and, and, and replace it with renewables? It's just not possible in the near term. Long term, sure. But near term, that's why we are headed for an energy crisis. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. Now over 35 million. You can get yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review. And if you leave a message with your review or leave a question with your review, we will prioritize the answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.